0: He is the CEO of Onnit. You might know Onnit. Joe Rogan is uh, part of the business. You see his shirts at the UFC weigh-ins all the time. The one and only Aubrey Marcus. Aubrey, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. And I pronounced it correctly, didn't I? It's Aubrey. Yes? You did. Correct. Sometimes I never know how to get the A and the U right, depending on certain (laughs) people's preferences. Uh, By the way, people are mad at me because I don't like Iron Maiden. Do you have a, a belief about Iron Maiden one way or the other?
1: No, I'm not attached either way, so I'm going to get along with everybody on that topic.
0: I, I am going to say that means you agree with me, even though you don't. I'm going to take credit for it. So there we go. All right, Aubrey, so talk to me about Ana just to hear a little bit. Um, and specifically, how is Joe Rogan involved? How are you involved with Joe? Like, what, give me the, the story there.
1: Me and Joe were friends for a while, and we're both you know, geeks about human performance. We try to figure out ways to get the most out of ourselves. and. Um, you know, I just asked him. I said, "Joe, what kind of supplement would you like to take that would benefit your life the most?" And he said, "You know, I'd like a cognitive enhancer." Because we were all playing around with a variety of different compounds, and uh, I said, "All right, I'm going to put together um, the best one that ever existed." And he kind of smiled, and uh, and then I got to work. And you know, about a year later, after working with uh, you know top doctors and athletes and everybody, we came up with Alpha Brain, and um, you know that was really the genesis of Onnit was our first cognitive-enhancing supplement, and uh, we formed a partnership, and we were off to the races
0: from there. Hmm. And how long ago was that? That was July of 2011 we launched. Wow, so you've been around for a while. It almost seems like now, I mean, maybe about a year or two ago it turned the corner, but now sort of risen to a greater level of prominence. I think across athletics generally, beyond MMA, what does it do in the sports space?
1: You know, we're really touching almost every major sport out there, you know, from the NHL champion Chicago Blackhawks that work, you know, really closely with Jonathan Taze, Duncan Keith, and Andrew Ladd now, who, uh, who just got traded there to make that dynasty even stronger. We got NFL players, Brian Cushing, um, A.J. Hawk, of course, is one of the first guys with us. You can go on down the line to every sport from racing like Ken Block and, of course, our extensive MMA reach, like you mentioned. But, you know, those are just the, the athletes and the top performers that are taking our stuff. Really, the core of what on it's about is just taking anybody regardless of where your starting point is and improving your performance in any key area that you're after.
0: When you look around, and and, and listen, let me make a disclosure here. Um, I I weightlift now. I weightlifted all through my 20s. I was in the Marine Corps. I was obsessed with weightlifting. I've taken, I think, every supplement that GNC sells, and maybe maybe then some, to varying degrees of success. But when you look around in MMA today and you see guys have this, obviously, I wouldn't say just an appetite for supplementation, but some kind of need, and they can't get... You know, To what, some extent, they can't get clean supplements that don't pop on a water code uh, USADA-administered ad- uh, test. W- when you see all this happening for, let's say, UL Romero, what is your take on that?
1: Well, I think there's a real shift going on right now where people were able to get away with a lot more when you could take some of these performance-enhancing drugs, when you could take steroids and you could take, you know, jack yourself up with TRT. You could really allow a lot of your nutrition and a lot of your healthy supplementations to slip because you had these driving, overwhelming forces that were going to make sure that your anabolic cascade was correct and everything was, you know, in a favorable balance. Now that you saw this down and it's much more difficult to, you know, do anything and, and pass the test and be clean I think everybody's looking for you know doing it the right way, doing it the hard way diet, nutrition, dead and clean supplements, um, taking care of your body in the right way, recovering in the right way, not overtraining so I, I think everybody's kind of scrambling to get this more holistic collective approach and you know that's great for us because that's the position that we started in you know we're not trying to create these crazy shortcuts, we're just providing the best, cleanest, earth-grown, nutrient-based supplements, nutrition, and and functional fitness um, to help these athletes out.
0: So I was taking stuff from GNC again. Now I'm just on like what your your BCAAs. Um, I obviously have a protein shake. I have and some other small stuff, but nothing really. But back in the day, I was on all the ephedra, androstine, the whole bit. And I remember I grew hair on my back in one summer, and I was like, no more of this. But really, doesn't that speak to the supplement industry? I mean, it's a little bit better today. I think some, for example, New York State, they regulate um, herbal supplements a lot better. But people don't realize that. some guy can just go out and start his own line he can label it and send it out and really the only thing the fda does is regulate manufacturing standards they don't really uh, go after manufacturers until it's too late or after the fact is there a problem in the supplement industry
1: well i think a lot of these kind of these cases where someone can just kind of cook something up in their garage and make a supplement out of it, they get kind of overblown to a certain degree, but that doesn't mean that there aren't significant problems with the supplement industry. I think the bigger problems are people are using very low-quality ingredients with very old and outdated science, and, you know, the products just aren't, very good for people. It's really a waste of money. They aren't using stuff that's beneficial to the body. They're using things that don't have a history of use or, you know, strong scientific basis. And they're putting very little in and then adding a lot of additional additives and sweeteners and other crap in there, masking it all with some additional stimulants. So it feels like something's happening and you're really just getting subpar products. And I think that's really the biggest problem. I mean, if you look at the gross statistics, there's, you know, very few negative, serious negative imp- impacts from taking supplements, even despite, you know, the issues that supplement companies have. I think the, the biggest threat is just, you know, most of the time the products aren't very good.
0: So how is a few UFC fighter supposed to know the difference, though, right? If you're a guy, and again, someone like Yoel Romero, remember, I'm sure he has help, but personally speaking, he, there's a language barrier there. There's a ma- major cultural barrier there. How is someone like Yoel Romero supposed to be able to differentiate from what's good and what's bad, what works and what doesn't?
1: That's an interesting question. You know, I think, obviously, um, you've got to pay attention to your body, and then you've got to do the research and look at the, the brands, and look at, well, you know, what kind of testing they're doing, whether they have clinical trial research like we do, um, whether they're disclosing all the ingredients on the labels. And then, you know, obviously for something concerning anti-doping, you know, we work with a company called the Banned Substances Control Group, uh, to test all of our sports performance products and make sure and certify to these athletes that it is clean. So NSF is another one that does that. So I think you want to look for a variety of different things, or just get some on it stuff.
0: You know, we're uh, <laughs> we're the
1: best. We're the best in the business for a reason. Um, you know, so if uh, if Joel needs some help, um, you know, we got it. He's he's got our number.
0: What UFC fighters do you work with, or Bellator, or whoever?
1: You know, that's. Uh, <laughs> The the truth of that question is a huge huge number of individuals, and then you know the ones. But a lot of times, you know, we're not we're not a company that goes out there and pays big bucks for these athletes to take our supplements because we don't need to. They're going to take our stuff anyways. Um, so a lot of the people, you know, I can't talk about publicly because they're taking money from different supplement companies. Um, but you know, the ones that we have and we're actively promoting, of course, Tim Kennedy. Uh, we we were with T J Dillashaw for a while. Um, and obviously, he's still very close to the Onnit family. And um, you know, Cub Swanson uh, was one of our top athletes, and uh, really the list could go on and on. Uh, absolutely, Carlos Condit, and a, a real, real list of uh, of players in the game.
0: You know, when you see something like, and again, we're speaking with Aubrey Marcus, the CEO of Onnit. Uh, when you see something like what's happening with Maria uh, Sharapova, where for ten years. She took the substance that was entirely legal, and then it gets made banned in January. Now, she still takes it, and there are reports out today that she was given multiple warnings. But I guess what I wonder is, when you see something like that, and now her sponsors have just shunned her, including Nike, Mm -hmm. is the response to what she did, is it too much? Is it too strong? Now, there's a context here. Tennis will ban someone for two years and has for cocaine use, a recreational drug. But nevertheless, in witnessing what's happening to Sharapova, how do you respond to that as someone in the supplement industry?
1: Well, you know, as far as my understanding of what Sharapova was taking, it it really wasn't technically a supplement. It was actually a a pharmaceutical. Um, She was taking a substance called meldonium. And so, you know, that is something where she was – getting a doctor prescription for something that at some point along the line you have to imagine someone said like, Hey, uh, you're not gonna be able to take this anymore. So it's not like she was like, Oh man, I was taking my pre workout and going and swinging and hitting some balls and all of a sudden my pre workout's banned. I mean she was you know, I think in most cases these athletes really know what they're doing and so if you're intentionally doing something to get an edge, um, you know, I happen to agree with uh with Dick Pound, which is the funniest
0: name in the history of... Is it, of- it not? I've, I've spoken to Dick Pound. I, I, it's, <laughs> hard, it's hard to ask for him when you reach his secretary.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. So, you know, I kind of agree with him that she was being pretty reckless. Now, is tennis, you know, should tennis ban somebody for two years for that? I think that's a little bit extreme there, for sure. Um, you know, it's like MMA trying to ban Nick Diaz for five years for smoking weed. I mean, come on, let's get a hold of ourselves here. It's not that bad. But, um, you know, I guess they just want to send a message with these
0: sanctions. Is the crackdown on performance-enhancing drugs, both in MMA, you kind of alluded to it earlier, I guess I'd like you to develop the point, but in sports generally, as people lose that pharmaceutical edge, they're going to be looking for OTC edges. Is that really going to be a benefit to the supplement industry? Because here's what I mean. At some point, if it's non-pharmaceutical, there's got to be a limit on what the performance can actually be, right? Right.
1: Yeah, then that's kind of what I was saying earlier, that it's going to have to come from everywhere. You know, I see it actually a lot. One, One area where it's really glaring is in bodybuilding. And so you work with, you know, you work with, occasionally we'll work with people who want to get ready for a bodybuilding show or something like that. And their nutrition plan excludes all of the saturated fats and all the cholesterol. Well, that works really well if you're on steroids, because if you're on steroids, you're producing plenty of in, in testosterone, you're producing plenty of the anabolic cascade without the raw source material, which are these saturated fats. However, if you're not on steroids, it's a disastrous diet. You're gonna start you know, you're not gonna be able to produce the the hormones necessary for the recovery and anabolic muscle growth cycle, so you're going to really be hurting yourself. And I think, you know, things things are built around the use of PEDs in a lot of these different instances, and without them, people are going to have to really get all the help from everywhere, you know, really do it the hard way, get good sleep, eat the right foods, take the right supplements. And, you know, collectively, I think they can meet, you know, what they were able to achieve otherwise, but, you know, it's going to take a lot of work.
0: Last question before I let you go here, Aubrey. Really appreciate your time. In five years, how much better will supplements be then than today? In other words, in that kind of a window is a real upgrade in what they can offer in human optimization, in human performance. Is that really attainable, or will they be basically the same as they are today?
1: I don't think they're going to be that much better, honestly, depending on... I think the industry may move forward, like people's expectations about what a good supplement could be, and I think on it will be a big part of that. You know, we're setting a new standard for what you should feel when you take a supplement, and I think the industry will have to respond. But as far as, like, new compounds coming up, you know, it's not like the pharmaceutical drug industry where these synthetics, you know, where you're combining and bonding chemicals together and creating some new miracle drug. You know, that's not how really high-quality supplements are done. It's about going back to the farm, finding these ingredients that have evolved alongside us that have been helpful in many cases for thousands of years, just getting the best version of that, putting it together with other synergistic compounds and creating formulas based around that. In that regard, you know, new species of plants aren't going to be developed in five years, and new ways that you can fuel your body aren't going to develop in five years. So I think, you know, we're really reaching now um, you know what could be the peak of supplementation, and of course there'll be new innovative ideas. But I don't think it's going to get that much better. I just think that the industry will start to catch up with the leaders.
0: You can follow him on Twitter at Aubrey Marcus. He's the CEO of Onnit. It's O N N I T dot com for more information. Aubrey, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks, Luke. Take care. Bye bye.